trust exactly. It is a sort of foreknowledge, a sense of destiny, the ability to predict and rely on a certain outcome. We trust that one day we'll follow another, that our favorite podcast comes out Saturday morning, that the seasons follow the same beautiful parade route they always have. It's not about affection, not necessarily. It's about reliability. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. your king, your absolute destiny apocalypse. It is me, Kat. Hi, Kat. Hi, Kirsten. That's Kirsten, by the way. Kirsten's with me. You may remember me from such characters as Penelope and Rick and several others. Anyone who wasn't a disaster? Pretty, Yeah, 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 pretty much. That's what I thought. <laughs> Kathleen is with us. It's true. We have Nick. We've got a Nick. We do have a Nick. Hi. And we have a special guest for this arc. My GM, your GM, everyone's GM, probably. It's Dylan. Hi, Dylan. I, I am they. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I do DM for everybody, don't I? Weird. Yeah. I just realized. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're just one of those designated GMs there. Yeah. Hi, Dylan. How are you? I'm, I am well. And yourself? Doing good. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So stoked. It's exciting. It is exciting. Is this uh, the first time we've had a guest on? On Sword of Symphonies proper? It sure is. Oh my god, yeah. what an honor. I I am scared and confused by this. Dylan, Kat, tell me about what is going on. Um, well, uh, Dylan and I play Dungeon Dragon every Sunday night on Tales from the Tabletop. And every so often after the stream, Dylan will look directly into the camera and with quavering voice, they will say to me, Kat, when can I be on your show? <laughs> and I will say, ask Kathleen. Uh, this may Kathleen or may not is have my happened. adult. <laughs> <laughs> and then my adult Kathleen g gave me permission to have a friend over. <laughs> and that's kind of where we find ourselves. Well, welcome. Welcome to the Sword of Symphonies. Yes, it's it's a pleasure. It's weird to be on a thing that isn't happening live, and also I'm not running. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, crap. I guess I'm supposed to be running this. Okay. So, previously on Sword of Symphonies, we caught up with the crew of the Westbreaker after several months of aimlessly voyaging. Cobb decided that it was time to track down some important weapons from his past, which he just notified me of last week. Cobb needs more swords. Cobb needs more swords, that's correct. And so the party found themselves on the way to the last tooth, the last remaining mountain in the cloud comb, the mountain range that melted a thousand, hundred years ago. A thousand is too many. That's a bit much. It's a bit much. Unless there was like a second older cataclysm that knowledge has been forgotten because of the more recent cataclysm. I did an intro to that effect, yeah. Ooh, like plate tectonics. Exactly like plate tectonics. So, the party has passed through the seaside town of Fiskdea without incident because I don't have time for incident. I have a question for you, and the question is... Who is going ashore, and who are you leaving aboard the Westbreaker? You have two NPCs with you, by the way. Mm, well, probably Sot, seeing as Sot is the quartermaster and our other crewmate has been asleep for the last five years, so she probably wants to, you know, like, walk around and see stuff. Okay, so Gideon's coming ashore with you, and so is Mr. Sot, and... That's good, because I was not going to want you to leave an eight-year-old unattended on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, it'd probably go better than leaving Penelope unattended. Oh, that that's absolutely not negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> Penelope's not allowed to, after the incident. <laughs> I mean, I, I would also imagine at some point or to a certain extent that there is probably, like, 
you know, a, a dock master who will help watch the ship for us so everybody can can come along mm-hmm. and, and do stuff. Yep. So it is a bright, clear day. I believe we decided on spring, did we not? We did. Yeah. We decided on early spring. It is a bright, clear, early spring day. This close to the mountain, it is a little bit nippy. The air has a bite to it, but you've come from the far north. You're fine with that. You are in the rolling foothills surrounding the last tooth, and you can see it, just a pillar of stone jutting out into the clouds on the horizon. No matter where you are, you can see the darkness of the last tooth. And when the wind blows just right, you think you can hear it, too. The screams of wailing Agrippina at its apex. And on your way toward that mountain, you encounter a small town. You see a sign that says, Welcome to Dunbarrow. The sign itself is affixed to the ground with pearlescent javelins, each about Sot's height, and framed in the same, lashed together by hand. Oh, how how pretty, how crafty. Tissa sort of like stands next to it and like compares her spear with the javelins. The sign kind of reminds reminds me of the sign for Northridge. Kathleen? Mm-hmm. Sensitivity spirits, if you don't mind. Sure thing. The sign is very haunted. You're haunted! <laughs> A haunted sign. So It's the new season. Should we explain how to do a roll? Let's absolutely. So when I ask for a roll, I am asking for two things. I am asking for a stat and a skill. The skill basically is a binary yes, no. You don't have varying degrees of a skill. You either have it or you don't. Tissa is a season two character. So Tissa gets to add two die if she has the skill spirits, which I think she does. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm asking her to roll her sensitivity facet, which is the stat that deals with how you take in information from your environment. And what did you get on that roll? I got a three, a six, a five, and a one, which means two successes and one edge success. And the difficulty there was two, so we're not going to worry about edge successes just yet. In comparing it to your spear, you find a similarity not with the spear and the javelin, but with the cloth that is tied to your spear and the javelin. Oh, well, I guess we're on the last tooth, huh? There would be demons. Ooh. Oh, right, yeah, they live here, don't they? Yeah, a lot of them. Well, I hope I hope they won't mind us going for a little hike. Um, only some of them. Well, okay, more than a little hike, but still. Okay, so at this point, you see something else. Affixed to a tree nearby, a large old fat tree. You can barely fit your arms around if you tried. There is a white creature and is beginning to fade away into dust. And it is pinned to the tree by one of these javelins. Oh. And there is a person who is looking at this. Or at least they had better be looking at this because that's what I told them they're doing. Helen, <laughs> <laughs> um, can you describe our new friend, please, before before Kirsten says anything? <laughs> of course. I'm glad to do just that. Standing before this tree investigating this site is a individual of middling height but slender build, with long raven black hair pulled back into a low ponytail with some fringes around the the face, and wearing these stark white robes with black trim that are almost ceremonial in design, and leaning up against the inside of their chest, kind of propped up against their body, is what looks like one of these same javelins but inverted and with the blade of a glaive attached to the butt end to change its function. Um, with sort of this uh, pensive, inquisitive look 
as they're just staring. The creature that is pinned by the way is one of the hellhounds that I described to you. It is a large, shaggy canine in appearance, and it is dissolving into white sand. This is concerning. Ahoy, stranger. Is this your handiwork? Uh, <coughs> um, I'm sorry, who are you? Oh, <laughs> uh, nice to meet you. My name is Captain Jonathan Cobbler. This is uh, the rest of my crew. Introduce yourselves, crew. Oh, hello. Uh, I'm Penelope. And she kind of narrows her eyes and looks. And How do you keep your robes so clean in the forest? Oh. Hmm. Hard, um, 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 I'm, I'm Tissa, and, uh, this is Pollyanna, and Tissa refers to Pollyanna, who is a cloud elk, a giant winged ungulate with kind of a pinto pattern. Yes, yes, this is, this is Polly. She's very sweet. Standing by Tissa is a short woman in bright blue silk. She also has long, straight black hair, and she gives a salute. Gideon Gaius Merciful, formerly Aurora Legion. Um. And there is a young man of approximately eight years old who just kind of gives you a nod and then retreats to behind Cobb. Uh, that one's Sot. Yeah, he, this and this is our quartermaster, Mr. Sot. Uh, ahoy. They uh, turn fully to be facing the group and pull the glaive up and then stab the butt end into the ground so it's standing upright on its own and puts their hands down at their side and then folds them across their chest and bows very gently and says, um, it is a pleasure to meet you all. Um, my name is Theo. I am a member of the monastery. Oh. Oh, local. Hi. In a way. Very nice to meet you, Theo. Uh, Say, do you know if this sort of thing is been going on more regularly? We're here to take a a trip a little up the mountain, and it'd be nice to be prepared. The you seek to in order. I'm actually inquiring as to this occurrence myself. More regularly, yes. To the dismay of the monastery, unfortunately. Mm. The the monastery doesn't want doesn't want people to go up here. Not necessarily, but these are uncertain times presently. Mm. With mm. this, and he gestures to the. Um, I assume now mostly uh, dissipated corpse. Uh, real, real fast, Dylan. Are you using multiple sets of pronouns for the character? No, no, just he. They pre-introduction and then he wants it certain. Is that what I'm reading? Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, perhaps we should actually enter the town if we wish to discuss this. Standing out here in the open may be a bit, um, just a little bit, uh. Informal. If you wish to inquire, I'd be happy to answer further questions, but um, mm. maybe not to the right setting. Oh, well, certainly. I was planning on meeting up at uh, a little place that I came here last time. I'm hoping they're still there. Uh, have you heard of the Scarlet Inn? Um, that's a good question. Have I? I would assume then if I'm a local. Well, <sighs> Nick is... Nick, Nick, you're trolling me, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yes, the Scarlet Inn is there. Very well, then. We'll, uh, well, we're probably going to be here for a little bit, so I was going to get some rooms. If you would like to come with us to the inn, we can sit down, have something to eat, and uh, talk about our, I guess, um, ashen dog infestation. Hmm. Um, yes, I'll, I'll be happy to elaborate more on the matter. Once we can have a, a sit down and talk more cordially. Oh, great. Penelope nods at cordially as if she understands what that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Oh, you'll love it. They make the best coffee there. Shall we? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like coffee. Um, Tissa rolls no successes on subtlety, humanity, and attempts to whisper to Gedium. When are times certain? Hmm. Surely sometime, right? When you're a kid, I think. Hmm. Sod, are times certain? Hmm? You mean right now? Uh, you're a kid, right? Yeah. Um, I guess. Wait, I'm a pirate. I'm not a kid. I'm a full-grown pirate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the quartermaster. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. I'm the one who can be trusted with the money. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. So does that mean they're not certain? No, not even a little bit. Mm. Demons about. It's no good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So the party comes up to the Scarlet Inn. A cozy, homey, not quite a log structure because we're a little far from the forests for that, but definitely like a good old-fashioned inn. Um... Yeah, feeling relatively comfortable and at home. I think Theo just sort of leads the way to like a nice table and sets their glaive somewhere <laughs> polite and out of the way. <laughs> Is that what you're supposed to do with hafted weapons? <laughs> <laughs> the furniture in here is sturdy and old and worn and shiny in the way that, you know, a inn passed down from generations ought to be. There is a friendly older couple manning the place. They have an accent that you cannot quite describe, but that you would say sounds sophisticated and intelligent. Uh, now is now is it uh, it's your turn? Hmm? No, it's not. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you set this up to try to bait me into doing an imitation of your Canadian accent, and I'm not doing it. I rebel. Very well, then. Oh, there's a scent on the air of pie. It's great. It's great pie. Dang it. Mm. Um, when when our time what were times certain? You said that they weren't certain now. Well, mm, turn of phrase. Well, mm. more so than they are now. Um, we, the monastery and, and by extension Dunbarrow, are looked over and cared for by a noble demon. Um, mm-hmm. One that the monastery has gone to great lengths to establish a um, relationship with. And now, unfortunately, for reasons that elude us, she has been acting out in violence against the very same lesser demons that lie within her retinue. The beast you saw on the tree, it is one of her lesser demons. The javelin, which belongs to her, used to impale it, is a worrying sign. Mm. It creates more questions than answers, which we'd prefer not to have. Oh, so the javelin wasn't one of yours? Mine personally, no. Now that you've been through Dunbarrow, by the way, you've seen that a lot of households have such javelins affixed to the front of their houses somehow, usually over the doorframe. Sometimes there'll be a couple of them lashed together in a cross shape. Sometimes it'll just be tied to the top of the doorframe or on a post outside. But these javelins are actually a fairly common sight in Dunbarrow. Now, if I may intrude into your matters, since you have found your way into mine, why have you sought to climb the mountain. It is not an easy thing to do under the best of circumstances. Yeah, and none of us are even arcanists. Well, I I left something up there a few years ago, and I think it's time that I went and got it back. Well, I suppose I cannot fault you for acting in personal interest, but I must reiterate the danger of the climb, though it sounds as though you've already done it once, so... Perhaps my worry is unfounded. 
How many demons did you have to find um, last time you were up there? Uh, to Cobb. That was directed to Cobb. Okay. <laughs> oh, it couldn't have been that many. We had a pretty... I had a pretty easy time of it. Maybe maybe they knew what I was there for. Mm. <laughs> what a daring captain we have. And Gideon gives another salute. <laughs> uh, she's turning more and more to folk when I kind of bring that in. <laughs> <laughs> I just... <laughs> uh, eventually, Sot comes back and he's got a handful of keys. Oh, thanks, Sot. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, Mr. Sot. Aye, aye. Thank you. Wait, where did... Just doing my job. Oh, is he was not kidding when he said that he is the one who runs the pocketbook. Oh, I see. Mm. He's probably one of the more gifted uh, with numbers on the ship. Uh, by process of elimination, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a quick study and he's had some very good teachers. I see. That's something I can understand then. And Thea just gives thought a like, nod. Like a respectful nod. Yeah. He, he he nods back like he's... Yeah. Um, but he does seem kind of a little bit on edge here, and he settles in next to Cobb. He's sticking pretty close to his captain. Penelope's going to rule an understanding humanity. Like, is this just a he's nervous because new place, or is there something that's, like, serious that's troubling him? Roll it. Ah. Uh, oh, one edge success. <laughs> One edge success. Yes. An edge success is when a player rolls a one. In order to keep that as a success, they must make a devil's bargain with me, the devil. And I'm going to make the usual devil's bargain with you, which is to say, I will give you this information. You will not be allowed to keep it to yourself. Yeah, I think Penelope's not the most subtle when it comes to social cues. Hey, Kirsten, how did Sada end up on the Westbreaker? Sot was trapped in the realm of a demon for um, centuries, probably. Was it, he, like Sot was one of the longest there, correct? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it was a while. It was a while, and even though he wasn't conscious for most of the while, it was still a while. Long enough that everything he knew was gone and changed, and um, so much so that he felt he had nowhere to belong, so he belongs to the sea. Yeah. You could say he's not comfortable when the topic of noble demons comes up. Oh. So Penelope kind of leans forward so she can see Sot's face and says a bit too loudly, is, uh giving you not great feelings right now, hey? No, I'm a pirate. Mm. Mm. Oh, okay. No, sorry. I thought it just seemed... Mm. <laughs> Anyways, ne never mind. And she leans back, mm. totally unaware that she has <laughs> made things super not great for Sot. Yeah, he's like red. He's just... He's a pirate. Mm-hmm. Eventually, the staff come by with some drinks. Is anybody ordering any food? It is. I'm going to say late in the day. I'm going to say it is evening. Yeah, Cobb will definitely order something, and he'll just kind of lean over to Sot. Hey, get whatever you want. We can be a little extra with the pocketbook for right now. What do you say? I mean, the pie does look good, Captain. There's pie? I think maybe you should get some for yourself before she eats all of it. Aye, sir. Oh, did... That, okay, that's and he, fair. <laughs> he gets up to go talk to somebody. <laughs> oh, what's everybody else's order? And no, Saw just collects everybody's order. And Gideon wants soup. I don't know. Seems like she's a soup eater. There is an herb that is really popular around here that doesn't grow in low altitude climates very well. And so Tissa remembers that vaguely from when she was here approximately who knows how long ago. Okay. Penelope already has pie, like, smeared on her face. Where did... How? Oh, Theo does not like that. Uh, <laughs> he stares. 
Uncomfortably. What? Oh, do I have something on my... Mm. Oh, the other side? Oh. No, it's up a little. It's up a little. Penelope, it's uh, up a little. Oh, <laughs> oh, no, no. You mean that side? Oh. And No, now it's down a little. <laughs> so Theo does order, but also in the process pulls out a small bundle out of his like personal belongings and unwraps it and it's got like a small brass bowl and a glass bottle full of water and he pours the water out into the bowl and begins washing his hands. Mm. Mm. Well, that's not a bad idea. I should get something like that. Mm. Um, but Cobb also orders a uh, a river fish of some sort. Something that seems like he would get, but also is a little kind of not his usual, like, mutton and soup and, and ale. Spanning his horizons. Bika, you're doing pretty good so far. I, I've had it before. The river fish here is very good. Mm, I, I, I guess I meant that there isn't any water anywhere near here. There's some streams up on up on the mountain with this time of year. You get the runoff and, uh, mm. well, there's a couple of trout, I think. There's some sort of, um, quite delicious. Yeah, mm. trout sounds about right. It's not too terribly common, but he is correct. There is light fishing, more of a trapping than fishing nets, more so than spears or anything of the like. Oh, yeah. And it is early spring in the foothills, and the horizon here is chewed up not only by the last tooth, but by the lesser mounds that surround it. And the cliffs toward the seaside. And slowly the sun sinks beneath. And you can see through the windows that the world is glowing red and amber and slowly but surely descending into darkness. Night is falling. And no one in Dunbarrow seems anxious about that fact. They laugh and toast and drink. There's a collection of people in the corner with brimming mugs of ale that they raised to one another and boisterously exchange laughs and claps on the back as if it were broad daylight. Tissa rolls one success and one edge success on an understanding spirits. She wants to know if the spears have something to do with horrors. And I think that she maybe just goes out loud, uh, um... Are the javelins? Are everyone's okay with it being night? Just naturally responding to the question, since it was posed out loud, Theo chimes in. As I mentioned, this place is protected, so mm. there's no real fear of the horrors here. That's good. That's really good. I can, yeah. Hmm. As long as purity is upheld within the area, then it will be watched over. Purity? Um, yes, it's the, we'll call it the, um, the motive of our personal noble demon. Her focus is on the pure, and by great effort, the monastery has convinced her that this place is worth um, protecting from the impurities of the horrors. Mm. Mm. It's not a bad setup. No, but it takes a lot of work. How far does this protection extend? Well, that's a good question. I don't <laughs> know the exact answer. Yeah, um, out into the hills, definitely beyond the town limits, out into the hills a ways, no one's exactly tested it, but... No one has seen the ambassador or her javelins in the other neighboring towns. Mm. So her territory doesn't extend quite that far. Okay. Gotcha. When you say purity, what does that mean exactly? Again, I defer to you, Kat. Is there a, a sort of like yeah. specific tenets that the monastery is adhering to under the ambassador? The primary thing that the monastery is focused on is uh, making sure that she knows humans are not an impurity. 
it's hard to say exactly how she views the world because she is a noble demon. Mm -hmm. But basically, this is her land and intruders within it can be considered impure, especially horrors, which are effectively evil spirits. So she's been convinced that the humans who are here belong here. They are not a blight on her territory. They are okay to be here. And so she protects her territory and with it, the people who live there. Okay. Okay. In reality, it's more a matter of, I suppose, posturing, convincing that the people that reside here are part of this place and therefore integral to its natural state. It is things that come from the outside that are viewed as intruders or impurities to be, well, you saw in the case of what happened to the lesser demon earlier this day, that is generally the fate that lies for things that encroach upon this land. Uh, due to note, before the party becomes anxious, um, the the ambassador doesn't notice human travelers in these lands. Like she, she's been convinced that humans belong here, kind of in general. So the party does not need to worry about being seen <laughs> Thank as you impurities. For okay, because that that's sort of where uh, <laughs> Penelope was kind of like, uh, so. Yeah, Cobb was about to <laughs> okay. be like, we should really hurry up <laughs> yeah yeah I, I thought I'd put that on the table right away um, she has been convinced that humans in general belong here and honestly some of the elders at the monastery are pretty sure she can't tell them apart yeah, <laughs> yeah I see okay they're humans oh okay it's like if I look at an anthill that's an ant and that's an ant like okay ants yes she doesn't really concern herself with the individual so much as just the general concept, but mm. it does still take work to convince her of that idea. I, mm, yeah. Mm. But she's killing her own demons, right? Yeah, that's weird. Weird. It is certainly weird. Um, a bit concerning. And yeah, Gideon just kind of stares at you with a soup spoon hanging out of her mouth, like, mm-hmm. How long has this been happening? Um, over the last several months it's been occurring, and myself and some of the other Arcanists have been investigating as of yet no answers. Oh. Hmm. And night falls. Night falls and it becomes dark. And the lanterns in here are the only light you can imagine for ages as the world outside the windows is pitch dark. And I would like some sensitivity rolls. Pick a scale, pick any scale. Uh, just roll me sensitivity, please, everyone. Uh, sensitivity survival. Do it. I rolled sensitivity and got one success. Did you roll a skill with that? I really couldn't think of a good one. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to roll sensitivity and politics because I want to see the vibe of the community. Yeah. Gotcha. This is going to do her signature roll of sensitivity focus. Sensitivity focus. Oh, two successes. Two successes for sensitivity survival from Penelope. Um, I have two successes. Two successes for sensitivity politics from Theo. Three from Tissa. Wow. So Cobble doesn't know. Tissa is paying attention. Tissa's always paying attention. That's the trick. That is the trick, <laughs> that she is always paying attention. And to what? <laughs> <laughs> and to what? So, uh, Cobb, you notice that this fish is, is very good. The fish is excellent. Masterfully cooked, maybe a little bit overdone, but isn't that landlubbers for you? <laughs> it wouldn't be the same if it wasn't a little overcooked. <laughs> uh, Theo, the people in here are cheerful and relaxed. The vibe in this place is that the community feels safe. Okay. Um, there are a few people who are casting anxious glances toward the window, but those same people also have definitely noticed that you are here mm -hmm. and... In the presence of an arcanist from the monastery, they seem to feel like they're in good hands. I actually think Theo spends a brief bit while everyone else is eating, going around and talking to random people 
and just checking in with like a couple people within the inn, just greeting them and, you know, basically yeah. giving them good prayers or something to that effect. Yeah. A lot of them are unaware of what's going on with the ambassador, except in maybe only very vague terms. So they seem to believe that you've got it well in hand. Penelope, mm-hmm. you hear just a real weird noise outside. Oh. Like the crackling of a fire. Odd. She kind of tries to see out the window and sort of... It's a weird I mean, white it, light. It's light inside and dark outside, so you can't really see anything except the reflection of what's That's going. false. But she's looking That's at the window. false. Listen to your GM. That's false. You can see things at the window, Kirsten. Oh, I thought there was torches listen. on inside. Okay. Listen to your GM. Listen to me, Kirsten. Kirsten, my darling, my angel, my love of my life, I'm going to fly out there and I'm going to beat you up. Uh, um, there's a faint white light outside the window. Oh, okay. I thought I thought that there was torch. Okay. Anyways, yeah, she's staring at yeah, the window. Yeah, there's also a light outside that you can see. Yeah, she's staring at she's staring out at the window, like just like, huh? And Tissa can, in addition to these two things, you have a looming sensation that something bad is happening. Um. You can also hear what sounds like a fire and see a faint white light outside. Is is something uh, is something burning? You hear that too? Yeah. Um, neither of you smell fire, by the way. If Theo is keyed into any of this discussion between the two of them, um, immediately grabs his glaive and opens the door and steps outside. Tessa is right behind him. Penelope is on her feet. Oh, dear. And as soon as he steps outside, he whistles and says, Ira, and summons his familiar from somewhere out in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And what appears is a white hellhound, like the one you saw pinned to the tree, but very much alive and moving. The size of a large dog, shaggy and ruffled, especially around the collar, bone white. Streaming from its mouth are pure white flames, and it looks up at Theo and opens its mouth, and all you hear is the sound of fire. Oh, dear. Theo runs a hand across the top of its head and says, good girl, and then keeps walking towards the light. Oh, she's yours. Yes, but that isn't. And you walk down the road toward this. Now you can see faintly pulsing white light. And as you get closer, you can hear the same sound until you see crouched at the end of an alleyway. Not the end of an alleyway. That's not great. Give me a second. (laughs) Now you can see crouched at the end of the road where it meets the hillside. A similar creature, an enormous shaggy dog. It is panting and heaving, and its eyes are wild, pure white. And it looks at you, and it sees you approach and begins to snarl. I I stop immediately. Mm. Mm. Um, Cobb is putting the rest of the fish in his mouth and just kind of... You should stay inside, Mr. Sot. We'll handle this and... Oh, no, he did not come with you. (laughs) (laughs) You turn around and he is still in the inn. (laughs) Actually, Cobb turns back, hey, and he's going to toss his regular sword to Sot. If you need it, we'll be back. Uh, Aye, sir. Okay, so I am going to now ask questions as the person here who has not played this yet. Please. Is... Would spirits be an appropriate skill to use with demons as well? Yup. Okay. Yup or yup. I'd, I'd like to roll sensitivity spirits to try and uh, ascertain the state of this creature. That's exactly what I would have asked you for. Yes, please. Wonderful. Thank you. And that is, ooh, remind me, is a three a middling success or something to that effect? Nope. Uh, we only count fives and sixes, and sometimes ones if you do a bargain with me. Okay, so I've got two successes. Two successes. Two successes will tell you that 
it is definitely behaving erratically. Typically, the hounds hunt with the ambassador. They're never usually far from her, and they're almost never alone. It is definitely very wrong for one to be alone within the city limits. It looks as if it is in pain. Hmm. Why are you out here? It just snarls at you and kind of sinks down closer to the ground, and you can see its hackles raise. What do you think, Vet? Is it sick? And Cobb kind of, like, nudges Penelope. I, I, I guess I'm used to more animal animals, but let me think. She's going to try her best. Understanding medicine. Well, medicine would be, like, for a person. Yeah, I guess understanding. Just a straight understanding. I can say medicine, since that's what the question's about, right? Okay. Yeah. I'd let you do that. Understanding medicine. I'll let you do whatever. <laughs> that is true. Oh, two successes and an edge. I have more information for you, but you're going to have to get closer. Yeah, that's, yeah, Penelope is nervous, but she does. She's going to, like, try to take a peek. You know how you offer your hand for a puppy to smell? She kind of, like, does that motion. Mm-hmm. It sinks down and it stops snarling at you and opens its mouth and produces just a shrill barking noise punctuated by the crackling of fire that erupts from its mouth in just a brief little gout of flame pure white as everything else about it not like everything else about it you notice now that you are up close and now that it has opened its mouth you can see a deep darkness inside its mouth. Oh. It's pitch black. Its teeth, its tongue, pitch black. Something, something is, is infecting or hurting it, hurting the mouth, it looks like. Hey, mm. Kat, what's mm -hmm. the spell pieces? Oh, spaghetti, I should have prepared them, huh? Oh, no. Okay, well, now it's the time of day where we wait a minute while Kat thinks of some words. The spell pieces here are quiet, haunting, fire, and hunter. Those are the spell bits. Uh, um, um, is... Can we try helping? Is that okay? Um, I don't want to... If we're not supposed to help, I don't want to... Um, I would prefer not to have you get too terribly involved unless necessary. If it's not hostile, I would request you back away for the moment. But what did you see, if you could be more particular? The mouth, the teeth, it's... Unlike your friend, um, it's, it's pitch black. Um... Okay. I would like to do a magic. Please do. Please do a magic. Magic, magic. I would like to do a magic. And I would like to use, from my spell pieces, I'd like to use seeing. And then from the spell pieces in the area, I'd like to use haunting. Seeing haunting. In hopes to perceive what is afflicting whatever magic or maleficent force is uh, affecting this poor creature. Okay. You know what? For two scatter, I'm going to give you an idea. For four scatter, I will also give you an idea of the source. You know what? This is literally my job. So I'm going to say four because I need... It is literally my purpose for being here at this moment to understand what is causing it. Okay. So tell me what seeing haunting looks like. So Theo runs his hand along the length of the glaive, and then when his hand gets to the top of the blade, it starts to coalesce and gather a small sphere of white fire that he then charts into a small circle in front of his body that forms a ring of pure white flame that, as he gazes through, allows him to see whatever unseen force is causing this. 
Oh, I like that very much. And in the shadows cast by this pure white flame, you see a flickering figure like a serpent wrapped around the body of this hellhound. And what's more, you see the shadow carry off into the distance as if it connects to something else, something bigger. And vaguely, you can almost see a pair of red eyes in the distance. There you are. I've got a question for you. You're the one looking through this ring. Are you the only one who can see this? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Okay, I mean, it's your spell. You get to decide. Yeah. These people are still strangers to Theo, so I think his concern is more with his immediate task than their presence. And just as you say this, you hear a footstep. An ice-cold footstep, like high heels on a marble floor. One after the other, they carry in the figure of the ambassador in Pearl herself, walking down the streets as if she owns the place. She does. She is white as if sculpted of pearl, with a back bristling with javelins, like a hedgehog's almost, like a cloak of javelins that trails behind her in a train. She is easily eight feet tall, and her eyes blaze with white flame. And she reaches onto her back, pulls one of the javelins from her cloak, and hurls it. It strikes true, and the daemon in front of you is struck dead. (gasps) And now it's memory time. Oh, Dylan, memory time is at the end of every episode. We all share what we remembered from that episode. It's how we end a session. Okay. What I remember, I met new, I met new people. I almost said friends, but I don't know if that's necessarily (laughs) true yet. They all met new people. We're new friends with an asterisk. We're friendly. Friendship pending. (laughs) Friendship pending in the footnotes. (laughs) pending further research you know what that's that's totally fair it's totally fair (laughs) (laughs) gang it's memory time your memories feed them to me I like seeing the new magic it's always cool to see new magic and how how everybody's magic works differently Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm it was cool to meet Theo and terrifying to meet the ambassador. Um, the ambassador is... Uh, when you had the word haunting in there, I was like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> Kirsten loves haunting. <laughs> I'm hoping that she will not take too much notice to our presence and let us continue. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to be doing sort of symphonies again. It's Kind of, but yeah, I'm excited for a new adventure. I think it's cool to be playing with Dylan. (laughs) I'm looking forward to seeing whatever sort of cosmic clash is going on here. My arms are above my head. (laughs) Hooray! In a celebratory pose. Woohoo! I'm also glad to be having that extra die on skill rolls. (laughs) Oh yeah, you're a season two character. I'm back to starting to roll fistfuls of dice on some of them, and that's exciting to me. Doesn't it feel good? <laughs> Season two, baby. <laughs> I don't think, um, am I a power caper? I'm not sure, but it it feels good. <laughs> yes, you are, Kirsten. Yeah, I am. Can I add in my memories that I repeat it was good to meet Theo because this <laughs> is my first time playing them, so I feel like I met him for the first time today. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I like Theo. Everybody got to meet Theo. It was fun. So, gang, thank you all very much for playing with me this week. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. And as, yeah. as Kathleen said, it's so great to be back. I had a lot of fun in what we did during our uh, interlude, but it's cool to be back again. Audience, thank you for joining us. We love you. Thank you very much for having me as well. It was nice to be included. It's exciting. Yeah, oh. thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah. It is a blast having you. Like this is great. I'm loving this. 
it's so cool to see sort of the introduction of another player character. You know, it's always cool to see the dynamic and everything. So mm-hmm. definitely super happy you could join us. It's extremely weird not not being the one behind the wheel for once. It's <laughs> not my usual state of being. So it's nice to, to it's actually extremely nice to be like almost silent for more than half the time. <laughs> yeah. Dylan is a very hands-on GM, which is wonderful. But, but it does also mean that they've got they've got their work cut out for them every week. Hmm. So if you are as big a Dylan fan as we are, audience, you can find Dylan on Twitter at lasers with a Z underscore forever. You can also find Dylan as the GM of our Sunday night stream. I'm there too. I want you to be there. You can find us on Twitter at TFTT underscore presents. That's Tales from the Tabletop. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you want to send your memories to me, Kat, you can send them to us on our Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs or on the email form at sortofsymphonies.com. You can also hang out with us on the Be Gay Roll Dice Discord with our cool network friends. We love them. You will love them too. It's a great time. Come hang out. Wow, that was a... Ah, wow. Sorry. Sorry, audience. I'm just really blown away by how smooth and seamless that outro was. <laughs> Sometimes they just work. God, I'm good. Sometimes they just work. Sometimes we can make it work. God, I'm mm-hmm. good at this. So good. I guess on that, we'll see you all next time. <laughs> see you next time, listener. We Later. love you all. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Come listen to Dice or Roll, the gayest Pathfinder podcast on the planet. We ask the hard questions like, is it morally acceptable to kiss a goblin? Is it cool to use spell slots to warm up leftovers? Would the gods be mad if I wrote slash fic about them? We're a group of four friends who play Pathfinder 2nd Edition every week and go on adventures like none other. We've just launched our brand new season, Extinction Curse, which follows the adventures of the Circus of Wayward Wonders, as they put on the greatest show in all of Galarian and uncover ancient secrets and long-forgotten foes from a bygone era. If you like circuses, clowns, and a little bit of magic, come check us out, and make sure that no matter what, you keep it rolling.